The final four episodes of All the President's Minutes on One Heat Minute Productions feed are brought to you by Bella Catering. Bellacatering.com.au is where you can find one of Sydney's greatest catering companies. They've pivoted to home delivery, but they're getting back. Some catering gigs, they're coming back. We love you, Bella Catering. We love you, Glenna Maria, and the entire family and team. Thank you so much for being on this ride with us this entire year. 137 episodes, 120 plus hours of discussion of this 1976 masterpiece would not be, basically would not have been able to be done without you. So thank you so much. Also brought to you by everything we're doing on One Heat Meter Productions. Increment Vice has just wrapped up its 45 episodes. It came from the deep. An audiobook and after show in its very own feed is happening. Of course, Miami Nice still continues popping into your feed sporadically to inject a little bit of Colin Farrell into your life and some gong lead dancing and some terrific Katie Walsh, Maria Lewis, Travis Woods, Kat Corbett, the entire team at One Heat Meter Productions. Thanks you. Now here's the goddamn story. But you were to the editorship born in a sense. I mean, even back to the destroy when you're running a ship. Well, that's what 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 makes. I had a job in a in a uh, destroyer, which is exactly like an editor's job, yeah. and it was called. They had a. They were just beginning to form something called the CIC, Combat Information Center, when where they uh, decided to concentrate all the information coming into a destroyer for from all the sources. Sound, sonar, radar, radio, uh, eyesight, uh, lookouts, uh, engine room, everything this way. And instead of having it all go to the captain, it all went to the CIC okay. officer. And he parceled it out to the people who had to know it. And uh, in the sense that it, you, as an editor, you get all the information coming in. You make the decisions and then decide what to do. They were identical jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Joining me today is, well, first, let's start with one thing, which is he's a therapist. And so this for me is therapy. We are so close to the end of this show. Uh, I, I really needed someone who could help me get through it. We've just had the quintessential Bradley scene. We've been told to get our asses back in gear. And so, you know, we're very close to the end of the show. So it's very good to have someone who can, help me get through it now on the other side apart from being a family man and an accomplished therapist he also is the editor and founder of the best internet site for movie love opinion adoration and just some of the most florid and especially if you're a fan of one hit minute productions and you know travis's work lengthy and florid um you know uh, movie love that is out there and uh it's a real treat to talk to him I've literally spoken to almost every member of his team. Um, I think there's, there might be a Slack channel that is like, that is added in their, in their team. Like who has actually been on a one minute, eight minute show between increment bias and then one heat minute. And now all the president's minutes, I think we've almost gotten everyone because literally if I was to pick a roster of some of the most, you know, moving and meaningful and, and really a site that curates writers voices. Um, it's, it's his site, bright wall, dark room, ladies and gentlemen, Please help me welcome Chad Perman to All the President's Minutes. Chad, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you, Blake. It's awesome to be here. Uh, and 
as everyone says, you're the best at introductions. So. <laughs> Travis is a close second, but yes, thank you very much. That's, that's, that's always wonderful to uh, just hear nice things about yourself for a little while. Well, yeah, well, look, everyone deserves it. And you, 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 and, your t- you and your team deserve it because um, I think that, you know, uh, people have talked to me many times about, you know, the length with which we undertake our movie appreciation and how seriously you take it. And I think that that's one thing I love about Brightwall. And I've told you many times is, um, uh, is the differentiating factor for folk, you know, and also get on and support them because right now, yeah, as you know, do defer, defer, defer your, I, I do defer your, uh, uh, one heat minute productions, uh, Patreon, uh, or, or <laughs> leap onto Brightwall darkroom. But it's, um, you know, there's a real art to, uh, real art and a real, you know, we're, we've got a moment that, you know, begins with a great editor and your whole editorial team does this is helping lift people's voices because great publications, like the greatest in the world, you know, you get a New York times or something like that. When you read AO Scott and Manola, like those guys seem to be able to cut through the style of the, of the publication that they're writing for because they are the style. And, yeah. and when you're a newer writer in that cohort, it's harder to have a voice, you know, and, and it, it's, it's, you know, until you get like a Wesley Morris that comes into a staff, like in the times and you're like, Oh, yeah. okay. Like there's these huge voices that can come through and they just cut through any kind of editorial style. But I think that that's the real thing personally for me when I read Brightwall is like people are their most themselves um, when they're writing for you guys, because you kind of like embrace that. And I, I think that that's a, you know, it, there's a style that makes different papers and voices, but I, I almost can't stand it. I almost get really frustrated. I'm like, it's not this, it's not that person anymore. I want to read, I want to read them. Yeah. I mean, and that's, um, I think, uh, when you said that a a couple months ago and I heard that, that was very, uh, I appreciated that comment more than almost any other comment we've gotten because that's, (laughs) that's a part that uh, we work really hard to get right. The mix, um, between like, you know, um, having kind of unified voice while also allowing everyone to have their own voice whatever that voice is yes uh and that's a really hard thing and you never there's no finish line on that i mean it's always a work in progress um and and a lot of our editorial conversations end up being around something to that effect of you know this right you know we get i'm I'm sure you've probably figured out by now we get pretty in the in the weeds on individual sentences and things like that um and it really is like what okay what's the default here like we you know this is very very nerdy but uh you know, I think the comma should go here, but the writer does not want that. <laughs> uh, and the question is really like, well, I, I want that comma there because that's how I'd read it in my head and I can still do that without the comma and it's more important to me that the, the writer's <laughs> voice is, is deferred to. Um, so, it, you know, it's some sublimation of your, your own ego and, and your idea that you know it's better than everybody else, um, which most people walk around thinking. Um, and, and just also realizing, you know, long-term, that's the bet we were making is like, hey, this this is a different way to do it that will in totality or the accumulation of all these voices will become the style more than the yeah. style. So it's always so nice to hear that, that anyone um, is getting that from, cause I'm, I'm so on the inside. I, I don't, I have no idea how any of this looks. On the <laughs> well, it just looks like there's a tremendous amount of care and, you know, working so closely with Travis, um, there's, there's a hell of a lot of care and so much that it is an yeah. agonizing yeah. care as in, yes. as in for, for people who are, producing the work it's an agonizing care because it's like they really want to shoot the lights out because they want to make the edit easier like i know that that's like kind of a stupid thing to say it's like i want to make this edit actually work um and 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 at the same time 
you know, just, I, I think, I can't remember the writer, so please forgive me. I'm going to kind of like, you, you might know it off the top of the head, but like, I think also it's not just about the like incredible pieces that happen about cinematic art that is kind of agreed, like canonical. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually about someone writing about the parts of the Caribbean films in yeah. a way that you've never, oh, would, so ne- yeah. ne- never experienced or would expect. And I think yeah, that that's the, absolutely. that's the balance or, or getting, when you hear that someone's written like seven and a half thousand words on breathless <laughs> and it's, and it's not the breathless, yes, exactly. yeah. it's you know, the American yeah. breathless. So you're like, Oh God, this has yeah. to be my, my very good friend. And I can't wait to read. Yes. That. I'm waiting for the, the one breathless minute. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. don't, no, don't. Please, there's so many. I don't want to be wrong here, but I feel like Travis is going to have to back me up on this, or you can edit it out if it's not true. I'll let you know. I I believe Jim McBride contacted us after that came out and just said, Thank you so much for this, and this is wonderful. And I'm passing this around all my, you know, so that we know we got it right. So that's that's just such a good feeling, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I mean, the the, some people would say, Oh, we're in the tank for the directors. It's like, I, I, I didn't say can we write this nice piece about you? We wrote it and he saw it and appreciated it. And I think if you engage with stuff like that in good faith, even if you make criticisms of it, which, you know, Travis is not going to say it's a perfect movie, um, but people appreciate their work being taken seriously. I mean, that's kind of what it all comes down to. And you can take Hot Rod or Pirates of the Caribbean, you can take any of these things seriously. Yes. Um, you know, some, something Guillermo del Toro said, and still probably my favorite piece on the whole site is the, the interview he did with Lauren a few years ago. Um, where he just said, you know, it's art, but that's, that's it. You don't have to justify, no. <laughs> you have to explain why prior to the, I mean, you know, I've never even seen, um, I've seen the first movie in that series. Yes. Uh, I haven't even seen the other ones, but I've probably read that piece five times this year. Um, oh, it's I think great. It's the 2020 better than almost any other thing. And, and <laughs> I haven't seen the movie. So I'm like, okay, the outside as I can get, usually I've seen the movies or I rewatch them before they go up. But this one was like, I'm not watching this whole series. <laughs> I don't uh, see it. And, and I, and, I know that. <laughs> and I think that was a good decision because I didn't go back and watch, but I read yeah. that piece twice. It was great. Yeah, it's just, it, I, yeah. And I also think, we're look, way afoot. <laughs> we, we on One Heat Minute were very lucky, you know, obviously our first and sort of the show that launched what we do Ended yeah. with Michael Mann appreciating the yeah. show enough to be a part of it. But you can go back and listen to what is now 180 episodes of that show. More episodes than minutes, in fact. Okay. Where, where people are critical of the movie. Like, uh, but, sure. but, 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 and it's just in the, it's just in the nature of a discussion. I think any robust and fun discussion with different personalities is, you know, it, it, it makes for great discourse, but the overwhelming thing is the dedication of the process of undertaking a really lengthy and serious look at something. And I think that you guys obviously um, can do that. And you know, some of your pieces birth podcasts. Like increment yeah. box? Well, I mean, yeah, because you exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More of our readers at podcasts. <laughs> Um, but yeah and and again i I mean i I can do the segue for you if you want because you just mentioned you know process Mm. Uh, so yeah i mean it it really is i'm handing over the reins to this show i'm I'm handing over the reins to this show (laughs) as it's going to the end so if anyone wants to take over the hosting while they're on the show i'm like just go go please no process 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 
we are talking about a process movie, one of yeah, the exactly. process movies. And my mind, the process movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and again, not in any way to compare Private Wall Darkroom to the to all the president's men, but the idea of um, the the length that people need to go to to make solid pieces of anything uh, or anything that will hold up or mean anything or withstand scrutiny or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you, there's just no shortcut on the process. And I think I believe that in my life before Bray Wall Dark Room, but I certainly believe it a thousand times more having done this for, you know, know, 10 years or so. Yes. uh, It's such a cliched phrase to say, trust the process, but you, you know, now that's what the staff says back to me all the time as I'm (laughs) freaking out in various channels across (laughs) Slack. They're like, Hey, this is, you know, we, this is how it always goes and this will, we'll figure this out. And we, and it always happens. So at some point you, you trust the process and, um, I think I think if there wasn't kind of madness and freak out that happened before a deadline and a and an issue and uh, who's going to file this and whatnot, I think I th- I don't I don't know if there's you know you need that energy. There's been oh, the, yeah, one, one of the especially for a brain like mine that you know goes from like well, you know what fires can I put out next as a navigating mm-hmm. system. Um, yeah, so fires are good in that sense if I take the long view on them. It's just uh, in the moment they, they feel like no, this is the one that's going to get this is. This is the piece that's going to take down the side or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, and it's interesting to talk to you and get this frame is like, I hate speculating about 20 potential problems. This is just my own personal outlook. I'm like, if it explodes, we'll deal with the explosion. I'm like, there's no, I'm not worrying about the explosion. I can't. I'm like, I don't have yeah. time. Maybe that's because I have too many podcasts that I'm recording, but it's like, or say, too many yeah. other, too many other things. I'm a dad of like two small kids. I'm trying to be, oh, you, know, yeah. you know, all those things that are you juggle in your life. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I can't agonize yeah. over the explosion. I, all I can do is just keep doing my best to keep moving forward. And when the explosion happens, I'll be ready to clean the, the fallout of the explosion and all the collateral exactly. damage of yeah. said explosion. <laughs> um, that's kind of my outlook. And I think that, you know, that's, I think that's part of it. It's, you know, really Bradley and his entire editorial team in the lead up to the minute that we're actually talking about here for this absolute masterpiece of process and dedication is they are they are trusting their process and they are trusting their scrutiny and you get to the point where it's like something has fallen away and i love the editorial inclination of like fuck it we'll stand by the boys yeah so much (laughs) because i love it so much because ultimately it is exactly what you're talking about it is trusting their process there is something wrong there is definitely something wrong but it's like we're not going to abandon our rigorous approach to things, our requirements of sources, our like multi, multi-tiered hierarchical editorial structure that like signs off on different elements, gets a chorus of opinions about where things are up to and whether we should publish or not. We're not doing that. We're just going to go, we're going to go with it and we're going to make them, make them find the gap and fix the gap because we believe that the story is all based on the facts that we know. We believe that the story is accurate. And so you kind of get to those points and this is a validation moment of all of, of that, that trust in the process. And we just get the coder of that. And now it's time to get back to work. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, I very much got the, uh, the work continues back to work. Uh, my life. <laughs> well, let's fit, let's, let's look at this life fitting minute together right now, guys, if you're okay. listening along at home, it is 
134 minutes on the dial. Obviously, most people's Blu-ray players or whatever doesn't necessarily say that video on demand service. So it is <laughs> two hours, 13 minutes on the dial. I've just been told, because I only just now know, HBO Max is a way that a lot of people are watching this at the moment. HBO Max apparently has a 15-second ad. So you have to go 15 seconds ahead to get to this. I know okay. it's stupid. <laughs> so literally two hours... Uh, two hours 13 minutes 15 seconds to start the minute apparently so thank you so much for the, the person who let me know that um but on all other video on demand services it's two hours um and 13 minutes on the dial uh chad and i are going to watch it now together you guys are going to listen along and then we're going to come back and talk about it Justice will administer the oath of office to the President of the United States of America, Mr. Chief Justice. I cheated you out of a diopter shot, Chad. I cheated you out of one. It's just a beautiful deep focus. You just, it's like literally three seconds away from the beginning of a beautiful split diopter. But, you know, I think the inference is there. Uh, We talked just two seconds before we jump completely into this minute. Chad and I were talking about the direction of this show had there been uh, a, a Trump win and a Trump inauguration on the horizon in January. And these minutes would have been the minutes I looked forward to the most, mm. which is that Very true. you have to stay on target. You have to get back to work and you have to keep writing these stories and you have to keep vigilant because um, I don't think in the last year I've seen a single thing I've seen a single news item um, in in the controversial in the controversial Trump era. I, I I can't think of a single news item, you know, in 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 comparison to Watergate, like that didn't feel you know of, of the big stories that broke this year that didn't feel probably bigger from yeah. the outset than Watergate necessarily. Um, but it's been the collective weight of mounting stories that got people out there and inspired people to vote and really, you know, showed pandemic response, you know, uh, really showed sort of layered corruption, really showed like his outlook around the military, previous activists who passed away, previous Republicans who passed away that had such huge influences. And so it's not just one story. It's not just one story that's being written. It is like years of stories being written to to continue a dialogue to paint a picture about how money and influence is sort of swirling around Washington and people are, you know, participating in the acts of corruption. And and so this is a nice minute to talk about because it's, you know, it's a real honoring 
of the people and all of those incredible journalists, those great publications who've been working tirelessly to break these insane stories throughout this entire period and on the unrest and the pandemic and all those things. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's quite relieving, uh, too. <laughs> yeah. I like this. Uh, I like this timeline much better than the alternate. <laughs> oh man. What, uh, a, what a dark timeline it would have been. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. I, I don't even want to go there mentally, but yes, it would have just, yeah, it would have been a disaster in, in so many, so many different kind of ways. Oh. Um, so yes, well, we can, we I can, unpack- that's why, yeah, relief was, it was a feeling more than joy at the outset, you know, when the <laughs> thing was finally kind of coming into clear focus, the results on what Friday or Saturday of the election week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we also talked that the episode immediately preceding you is we've, we're recording this after the election, like in the weeks that, there's still a whole bunch of weird political malfeasance sort of going on um, as yeah. in, you know, uh, and a lot of it's like showmanship and, and just trying to, I guess, speak to the, the cult base, uh, not any yeah. of the more sort of reasonable Republicans that there may or may not be in that cohort, but like the cult base of like, this thing's, a st- this thing's been stolen. Um, sure. uh, this that does be- have the effect of, backing off uh, the institutional responsible Republicans that would normally step in and say, okay, show's over. This is ridiculous. Um, you, because know, you know what's so scary though? About this stuff, they're scared of those 40%, even though they know those 40% are completely wrong. So they can't stop the guy doing the ridiculous thing that we all know is ridiculous. I mean, there's, there's no, I think I read yesterday, it was there one, one for 25 in court cases so far. It's like, you know, you know how this is going to go and, and he's going to drag it out. That's what he's done his whole life. Um, until someone just says, you can't do this anymore. This is over. Goodbye. Um, when will that be? I have no idea. Who would even say that? I, Who no I never thought I would say this phrase, which I think I've said <laughs> once, is Fox News are reporting that he lost and have been. Maybe they were the first. They were calling the big states They're and the projected numbers. That Arizona thing. They never. That Arizona off. call. They never back down. And for whatever you want to say about Fox News as an entity, holy crap, they've got some great political analysts as in numbers, polling. Yeah. Like they, they had project, they projected the Trump win long before, um, yeah. long before anyone else. And obviously he's their, he was their guy, but they were like, no, he's, he's going to win in these key states. These are battleground states. We're projecting wins based on our polling. A lot of people thought that they were just feverish propagandists at the time. And everyone was like, oh, okay, actually, no, they were, they were a hundred percent correct. And in this time they were calling stuff for Biden. And, you know, so in Australia, it was really weird. Like I, I'm like, you know, I remember even saying to my wife, I'm like, oh, they've, they've called and texting a couple of friends. I'm like, oh, they've called Arizona. And they're like, where are you seeing that? I go, Fox News. <laughs> they're just like, Fox News. Yeah, I go, well, I, go weird, I know, weird, Fox, like, News. Fox News. So it's like, hey, we, we got the main centrist like thing that everyone trusts and, and the channel or system that's mostly in the tank for Trump, both agreeing. And it was the, you know, slightly left-leaning or full-on liberal places that were like, we are like MSNBC, if you're familiar with that here. Yes. Uh, um, they're like, they, their numbers were the lowest that entire week in terms of their projections because, and you could just feel how scared they were oh. to somehow open themselves up to attack. And then you see how carefully the entire election went and it was certified before Trump fired the guy that certified it. Uh, you know, say it was the safest election in U.S. history. Um, at the same time, you know, um, 
half the country may not believe that be just because of, you know, the, so again, like when you look at it in all the president's men way, like it felt like a movie from another time media wise and politically 10 years ago, but it, it feels like a whole nother like millennium now to watch, yeah <laughs> to watch it, this process, but to imagine a, a story starting with a seed of a thing that, a, you know, brand new or at least fresh to the paper reporter who know, you know, we think of Bob Woodward now in 2020, we don't think of, no one knew who the hell Bob Woodward was back then. Um, going to this little thing that turns into this thing and then the story building over three or four years. I mean, like, I can't think of any comparative thing that's happened in the last decade that would, and it wouldn't be allowed to play it like that. People no. would, you know, uh, start politicizing it from the start and, you know, it would just, it would just be such a, a different um, thing. And I think that's also why movies and things like this have conditioned us to expect the story to come out that was going to take Trump down. And I think that ended up being a pretty big fallacy too, because that's not the way the media works. They don't have enough credibility, you know, have a whole At, at, outlet, by, outlet by outlet too. I mean, look, I think, you know, Marty Barron, who was the editor in chief mm -hmm. of the post and was the editor in chief of the Boston Globe when they broke all the stories about the church and things like that. I think a lot yeah. of people consider the post to kind of be centrist, almost centrist right, to be honest, um, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the media landscape. Um, but what's so weird is that at this time in history as portrayed in this film, when places like the Post and the New York Times are publishing these stories. And then obviously that's filtering to things like the LA times and starting to go in the Chicago tribunes, going to all the papers, like trying to cover the full, full gamut of the United States in like the biggest circulated papers in the whole country. That is having such an influence that even television reporters are taking what is being reported in the papers and then using that as talking points to scrutinize when they're speaking to political people or political PR people to just sort of do it. And so what's funny is that, there used to be a collective unified weight that different ed editors around the country would be trying to expand on their own story for their circulation and how it matters to their readership that's getting them. But right now it's like, it's so combative. It's like you are literally picking two sports teams and that, and yeah, they're, your, they're your tribe. And so it's like, but I really felt, I know it sounds dumb, but I feel good saying Fox <laughs> called the election. I know that I know that Rupert Murdoch is an inherently corrupt propagandist. He may as well be Goebbels. Like that's who he is. Um, he does it slightly, uh, slightly more behind the scenes than the than you know than than the Third Reich's um, uh, propaganda arm. But um, or, or even the Stalinist Russians. You know where where Stalin kills a little girl's family and then has a portrait painted with her and and that gets plastered around all of the whole of Russia at the time. It's like he's not quite that. Uh, quite that overt about it but um but nonetheless it's actually nice to go who cares there's a population of uh, publications and circulations picked it and then people back that story off of that because it's factually accurate and then we scrutinize those things so much of it is like disputing every line and i even love what you said it's like it's not about the comma if i read it with the comma like who cares the fact of the matter is that this is what the sentence says but i feel like that minutiae instead of being in like really beautiful, soulful, uh, well-crafted culture writing, that kind of minutia scrutiny is happening on just a fact. And you're like, yeah, this is not, this is not the landscape for us to have this argument because that is a fact. Like people, X amount of people came out and voted. 
They were all verified. We've done random sample checks. That's endorsed. It's done. Let's move on. Like, what are we still doing here? <laughs> well, what are we still doing here is definitely something. <laughs> it comes <laughs> in the last four years, like, you know, because there were, uh, it's not like you had to be Nostradamus to predict how the Trump presidency would go from the day it started. Um, yes. And, you know, I read someone, it's not mine, but I love it, uh, where it, it just basically says, oh, no, it was David Roth. Um, if you're not familiar with him, he's my favorite writer on Trump by a large, large swath. Uh, just a, a, a wonderful, he would, if Rywald Darkroom was a political site, he would fit right in. Because um, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's, he's just really smart, but also really funny. And it just cuts through a lot of the, the bullshit around what Trump does now. He does it, but he, he basically wrote sometime in the last week, you know, of, of course it's going to end like this, like the... <laughs> The ending was built into the beginning. He's never going to change. He's always the one thing that you can say about um, Trump or tell however old he is now and somewhere in his 70s. He's always been the exact same person. That's part of the problem. It's part of why he's very easy to use an ex- as an example in like a therapy uh, context to say like, this is what it looks like when you never <laughs> learn from ever. No. Um, you obviously, you have to be enabled uh, and, and enjoy a certain level of privilege to be able to get away with the things he's gotten away with his whole life. But the fact is, this seems to be the first time, really, I mean, I'm not like an expert on his biography, but the first time that I've seen in his entire life where this isn't working. Um, like, it's just flat out not working that he's trying, he's trying to steal the election. Uh, and he's doing all the things he always does. It always works, you know, and he, then he's dragging out in the courts till the other side gives up. But the other side here is like American democracy. So that's, that's not going to give up. And yeah. I think that's such a, you know, shows one how ridiculous his calculations are in his head to think, oh yeah, I can pull this off just like I, you know, screwed it, you know, black people in the Sundays in my apartment. It's like, no, it's not the same thing here. Like at some point democracy will, if you have a country that still barely works, um, it'll rise up. And, and that's what you Republicans that are in this weird little bubble of how did 80 million people vote for Joe Biden? You know, it's like, well, I, I understand that in your world, there's no guardrails built in to even suggest that reality could have ever been possible. But in the normal world where the rest of us are, that's a low number. Like 80 yeah. million is a lot. It's the most in the industry. It's also like, yeah, but given what we saw, you know, just as citizens, not even as partisan politics, just the, the corruption of the institutional norms and how quickly they all shifted um, over four years. It's unlike any other. I mean, I've lived through plenty of Republican presidents uh, and didn't fear the democracy was going away. I just knew my side didn't have the power. Um, and you know what to do with that. You know, like, like to get back to the movie, you, you go to work. Um, yeah. but, but, but here it's like, it's just, it, and that's why it's such a discombobulated time for so many people right now. It's like, well, there's two, the, the, the way to put it, the, the way to, the way to, the way to put it is like a hundred and, 150 odd million people voted. Yeah. It's like 300 million people in the country. Yeah. Some of them, some were kids, but yeah. The, yeah the ones like, who, like, yeah. The, you know, obviously with the, you know, there's those kids, but it's, it's even, even another 50 or so million sure. would probably yeah. start to top out to like 90% of the population in Australia. We have a, a preferential, essential like popular, popular preferential voting system across party mm-hmm. lines. So you can vote for all sorts of different parties at your different tiered levels, state, local government, um, and, and then federal when there's, when there's an election. And you get to decide if your party don't get in where your preferential votes go. And so, um, you know, you can, you can do it as simple as like, you know, you get a piece of paper, you put your, 
one preference. And if you put your number one on say the conservative party here, which is called the liberal party, don't get me started. It's so dumb. Um, and, and, or, or the, or the actual progressive party called labor, then they're not really even progressive. They're kind of centrist ish. Um, but ultimately that's where sort of our more progressive politics lean, much like the Democrats, it's kind of a conflicted thing. Um, and, you just you can put a number one on that or you can literally rank them. And so sometimes if you're a bit of an obsessive, you might go in and go number one for Labor and you literally rank every other, even independent political party lower than that. But every single adult who is above 18 in the country is required to vote. Oh, required? Required, compulsory. Required. I did not realize that. Okay. Our votes happen on a, our votes happen on a Saturday. Yes. It's not a Tuesday. I did that's not we're the only weird Tuesday place. Which yeah. is the stupidest thing in the world for me. Like Saturday morning, you get up, grab the kids. Usually all the voting places are schools and churches. Um, go down there. There's usually a sausage sizzle. So oh, nice. you get a like sausage sandwich for oh, like early nice. breakfast. Maybe a cupcake for the kids. Go vote. <laughs> get your reward. Delicious barbecue to say thank you for voting and thank you for trusting democracy have some delicious caramelized onions and some uh, mustard and ketchup slash tomato sauce and that's and the day is good i voted and i earned this sausage sandwich and i just think like just from the most practical thing in the whole world it's like make it a saturday people are working (laughs) like how hard is it it's like like it's so easy to make it that the other thing that I don't quite understand, and I don't even know if it's the same in my country also, is like, um, you know, any pre-voting, once you've validated it, because you could have a vote, you know, up to, you know, to, in our country, um, we only have very short election periods. We only have like sort of two week lead oh, up to an election. Great. So the campaign ads and stuff like that are two weeks on our televisions yeah. and then they yeah. disappear off the face of the earth. Not 11 months, which is just yeah. absolutely ludicrous. Um, and so you guys, but the thing is when people mail in vote, like the other thing is like, I don't get why, if you validated that person exists, why not count it? Like count it now and say that well, these I, are the projected numbers of the different states. Republicans were, at least this time around, we're going out, um, trying to keep that from happening so that, I mean, I know you know this, but so that, so that exactly how it played out would be how it played out. And, yes. and, and it, even knowing that I still could not sleep and was freaked out Tuesday night of the election. <laughs> And I was like, yes, I have read this is what will happen for months. And this is how it will look when all the in-person voting comes in. Um, and then the mail votes will come in. And then also Trump will then say, those are illegal votes. Even though everyone knows that. Even though he took a photo so with, his, all- with his daughter, and, <laughs> his daughter <laughs> and Jared about mailing in their votes exactly. together. It's and it like- wasn't even breaking news. It's like, I know, but still like when you're living that in the moment and it feels like, um, and again, I, I don't know how much you were following U.S. politics four years ago, but but the, the, those of us that lived through that election uh, in 2016, where we woke up, you know, I had a, at the time, a, I guess, nine-year-old daughter, um, and she's 13 now. Um, but I, I was fully, you know, had the whole day planned out to, like, have her make sure she remembered the day that the, the United States elected the first female president. Like, this is, you know, as a parent, you want, like, I want this moment to sink in. <laughs> um, so that was the day I was planning to have. And you, you know, as you slowly watch those results trend the other way, it's just, I mean, that, that pit of your stomach feeling that, you know, as a, obviously as a therapist, I know like, oh, okay, yeah, that's uh, not capital T, but you know, lowercase t trauma. And that sticks with you. So of course, four years later, when you're sitting in the same room watching the 
oh, exact yeah. same television, the same station, and it's and starting watch, to happen again. You're and like, you're watching, oh my god! And you're watching five thirty eight, like Nate Silver <laughs> site again, and it's yeah. wrong again. And you're like, Nate, yeah. shut this shut. fucking site down. <laughs> It's over. Well, then I, I, I did. He, did, was, he was vindicated in the end, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, so that, was, that was the only thing I knew then was like, okay, like it's way too soon to say that the pollsters got this wrong because, uh, you know, this is like election night and, you know, let's, let's wait to everything. And of course, but again, that's the whole, I, I feel like I'm hosting because I keep trying to bring us back to the movie. Uh, that's the whole thing. Like this would not have played out this, like nothing about now would have played out during the Watergate years and vice versa. Like it's just, the elements required both in a society and as I guess, trusted media in general, instead of both sides having their own media, um, you just would not have had four or five years of people being able to dig away at this story that ends up going from this tiny little thing to, you know, the president of the United States and eventually topples the guy. Um, and even then that wouldn't have happened without the Republican the Republicans in Congress finally turning against him. And, and, and that also will never happen with Trump. So, and this is what I don't understand, you know, but I was like, but the conditions aren't there. We, we're not going to have it. It was a joke. Day one, I heard you talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. I think Fran said like, I'm not going to watch this. Like, even if it somehow passes the house, the Senate, everyone's going to reject it. What are we watching this for? Yes. So that's, it's not the same gravitas. It's not the same institutions that they were. And I don't think you, I mean, Bob Woodward's book came out in 2020 with, I would say, uh, at least subjectively, far more damning real-time direct from the president audio of a thing. And it was a two-day story in the news. Um, he never had and, Nixon up saying, and, oh, and, by the way, I planned a water And game. then people got <laughs> mad. And then people got yeah. mad at, and, and this is that where world. where I felt people got mad at Woodward for not, Sharing it earlier. And and yeah, I've definitely fallen down. Look, I can see where people have been, you know, are frustrated with the the urgency of that kind of information. But I'm just gonna say a big capital B, but but this is what this guy has done for every administration. This is how he has maintained his entire career and access and some of the un fathomably insightful and crazy shit that we've learned about every administration from people trusting him as a, as a reporter or as a journalistic mind and him being able to execute these conversations and then not publish them until in, in certain timelines. Yeah. That's part I mean, of the yeah, agreement. That's part of the agreement with the choice he made, but you can't say that it's not a consistent choice with his entire career. Yeah. And you got, and he got, and he got the scoop before the election. Yes. Yes. Everyone, and it's, he didn't put it out on Twitter that night. Yes, yeah, like he got the scoop. He, he waited. He waited and got eighteen hours of this guy on the record saying the most unfathomably stupid and reckless things, and he got it all in print, and it's all verified, yeah. and it's all recorded, and then people could go back and examine it. And it's like, and at the end of the day, also, this is not something that people haven't already been saying that they yeah. had heard yeah. Trump that that you know there's already been leaks from people in briefing uh, rooms with Trump that had said, we've been told that it's worse. He's denying it. And then you go, why would he deny it? Cause he just, he knows his only positive thing is yeah. the economy. And if he just says, no, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you but know, it's also, yeah, it's like that, that's that thing is that that's his whole, as, a, as opposed to someone like Nixon, who was, uh, again, no, no judgment on the morality of his character. Um, but was not a dumb person. No, uh, you know, if, if anything, very, er, very many, odd many times uh, over the last four years as I am 
incredibly profoundly grateful for Trump's laziness and incompetence because if he was yes. better at this, and that's a scary thing I think for people paying attention um, on our side of the aisle is, my God, what if they get someone who's actually good at this uh, in that seat? You know, not a Trump. Like if you put Tucker Carlson in that seat, the poison goes down a whole lot more smoother for a whole lot of people. And yes. it takes a lot longer to question, even though they know he's saying untrue things like, yeah, but he's kind of charismatic and he looks normal. <laughs> he love people in his life and have human emotions. Um, that's the scary part as a, as a really smart, you know, group of guys taken over instead of being, you know, thankfully with, you know, the Nixon line is what it's always applied to, but it's just like, these aren't very bright people and things got out of hand. If you say, who said that? <laughs> someone during Nixon or someone during Trump, now everyone in, in for the rest of history will say, oh, that's got to be about Trump. They're like, no, that was not. <laughs> like, no. takes it to a whole other level of incompetence that thankfully gums up all this stuff and gives you, you know, the priceless Rudy Giuliani, you know, comedy moments of, of the last few weeks. It's just oh. like, oh, yeah. The Giuliani. The Giuliani stuff is now, I mean, I know a lot of people have already referenced it, but like it, it, I mean, he's got, someone wrote on Twitter and bless their heart for doing it. He's like, he's gone full DeVito penguin. Like that's what he's gone. And I was like, that is so on, that's so amazing. It's just, it was, it was outstanding. And, and, you know, back, back to this specific scene and this specific movie, this is a, you know, it, it's almost impossible, especially in the context of a, an inauguration coming up to not have gone down the digressions that we had. So that's, that's, I think that that is totally right. But I want to talk to you about, you know, when, you know, you are such a, a man now who's familiar with great movies and the effects that, that, you know, the effects that these movies have on people and looking back at these sort of paranoia thrillers, you know, this, that sort of, I don't know, that around this Watergate era captured the, collective trauma and translated it into art and had like these you know and and sort of tried to examine the trauma if you like the different filmmakers were going through you know in the same year you've got i I love the breadth of extremity you know just even just like the oscar (laughs) films of this year of like one is taxi driver one is rocky (laughs) one is all the president's men another one's network and it's like all these movies are out in the same year occupying the same airspace and it's like they're you can definitely feel the themes, the heart, the paranoia, the psychosis, the all those things that are, you know, the internal and external torment, fighting against what you feel like are impossible forces, and just wanting to do your best. Um, Rocky and presidents have that exultant kind of approach, but obviously Rocky does it better. I would, I would challenge you on that. I don't know if there's an exultant uh, moment in all, all the presidents. I mean, it, it comes from knowing history. Yeah, <laughs> it comes from knowing and trusting that the audience knows what happens when they cut it. Um, yes. Yes. But yeah. And again, you mentioned all these great movies uh, from one year. And then you remember like, you know, what, what one best picture was the least good of all those movies. And, <laughs> you know, there's probably, I mean, I don't know your brain, but there's probably not going to be a, you know, a Rocky podcast. That's like this. <laughs> you can't really dig into it the same way. Listen, you, I, I would say there is one definitive, there's one definitive Rocky podcast. That is oh, there a, is. Okay. There is a tan, it's a tangent, it's a tangential podcast. They're friends of the show. It's called finding Drago. It is about, okay, I was going to say, I will watch Rocky for, or podcast, or also uh, Finding Drago is one of the greatest investigation podcasts. It's about okay. an author by the name of Todd Noy who wrote a mm. book called Drago on Mountains We Stand, which is a fan fiction expansion wow. of the story of Ivan Drago. And oh, wow. two great Australian comedians, Cameron James and uh, and Alexi Toliopoulos, 
investigating the rabbit hole, wanting to find Todd and I and find this book. And it's well, brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm all in on that. I would listen to that. Like, yeah, so, so yeah, there, there's that. But, <laughs> but like, I, I love, I love Rocky for what it, like, I love Rocky for what it is. And oh, when I you like look Rocky at it and, and it, 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 it does, it is so deft at like how to pull with your heartstrings, but sure. let's just put the qualifying asterisk. It is not all the president's men. It is not network. No. And it is sure, driver. it is sure as shit, not taxi driver. <laughs> Um, but it's, but it's interesting to see what expressions of like, this is American cinema at the moment and this is where we're at. And so much of what I've been saying is we've been moving towards, I've always found, um, I wouldn't say exalted, but there's a positivity that lands with presidents, um, Mm. that was all people have always gone like, it's that, you know, it's sort of a happy ending. It's like, we got the bad guy. But more and more that I've watched it too in this examination, I've looked at it and gone, you know, network and presidents are so much closer than people mm-hmm. realize thematically. They kind of both have this very ultimately cynical worldview that things don't happen. And you don't get the big cheer on moments. It like takes, you know, an unfathomable amount of time and dedication and like obsession to get to where you need to get to. Um, and, and network is like, and people will believe anything that you tell them they'll believe the circus so you can have the circus over here and then all the other stuff that is behind the scenes that is actually the truth that's that 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 is obfuscated by people going i'm mad as hell like i and like and the entertainment and it's like oh exactly and i think that's why uh i would agree they're really very closely linked thematically but i would say Whereas I've just spent a long time saying all the president's men couldn't happen today, I would say network is enormously, you know, far, oh. far more present. Network like, is, yeah. network's <laughs> happening right now yeah. as yeah. we and, speak. And you could see, like, yeah, I mean, like, the, you know, the, the big scene when he kind of does the Mad as Hell speech, you're like, oh, yeah, no wonder this plays better than, you know, in our world. I don't know if you know who this guy is, but Walter, well, yeah, he's in the president. Walter Cronkite, you know, um, everyone trusted him. Not that many people were entertained by him but that's not what you get your news for and once you saw this new kind of pathway open up it was again just opening as this fissure in american society um which is the other thought experiment is like and again not my own idea but i've I've heard it repeated enough it's fascinating to think about is what if nixon or the republicans at the time of watergate had you know fox news or what if you know uh herbert hoover back in the great depression had fox news just say this depression isn't happening <laughs> or this, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, whatever, or, you know, demonizing, uh, I don't know, uh, two years of the president of president Nixon tweeting out that Woodward is corrupt would have had an effect. And arguably Nixon could have said, I'm not leaving office. I get that. You got me dead to rights. Great for you. I'm staying. And, and, and that's the Trump gambit now. About a hundred and nine episodes ago. The great <laughs> Leon Nafar came on the show who did okay. the terrific slow burn podcast series. So it has done a lot of that series. Oh no, yeah. The, 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 the first, the first series that is on Watergate and oh, Leon yeah. and Leon asked, we were talking about, and I, he said, I, there's one thing like that. I can't get over. I can't get over Nixon, not destroying the tapes. Yeah. And I and can tell you, so- as a psychologist, I have no problem understanding that. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I said to him, I 
think that right now, because we live in a world that is about technology and even something as small as a podcast that I'm doing, I've lost episodes. I've mm. lost, I've lost audio. You get dead. Like, you know, you guys run a website. It's like sometimes someone will send a draft through and it like disappears off the face of the earth. And it's like a technological glitch. And you're like, you're like, God damn it. This thing crashed. And I can just totally see that if there was like Trump tapes that they didn't want, they're like, Oh, they crashed. You know, I'm putting yeah. inverted commas, you know, <laughs> they, they crashed. Uh, the system broke. Oh, we had a purge and overnight, you know, there was a short circuit and we lost everything. And I, I just feel like even now it's so much easier to play that game because the physical sure. tactile recorded on tape stuff yeah. is the really powerful stuff. It's like, Oh, okay, well no, we can't delete it. And that hubris is like, because if he, if he just erased those tapes and didn't, go through the strange process of having them transcribed and then badly transcribed. And then people could listen to the tapes and read the transcriptions so and see what he was trying, yeah. trying to cover it up. It's like, he really like, did all that. He did all, that. He did all yeah. those things. And, but then at the end of the day, all of that, like, you know, flailing and desperation ended with a guy intelligent enough and passionate enough about the country and passionate enough, I guess, about democracy to go and the office to say, no, I got to resign. Yeah, and also, I mean, he had a, a deep institutional or historical knowledge of America. I mean, he this was he'd first run for president in 1960. He'd been vice president. I mean, he Trump had never set foot in government in any capacity until well, came down that stupid. The, 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 clo the closest the closest thing that he'd done was attend all of the yeah. Democratic yes exactly. the Democratic <laughs> parties with all of his friends who were Democrats <laughs> before this day. That's the thing is like when you tell that story um, and I know again um, it must be very interesting for you to, to talk with people where some have this deep historical background some about the movie some have probably hardly any I'm like somewhere right in the middle I'm in no way an, a Nixon expert um, and I'm I'm led to believe Frank could talk at much more length about that than I could <laughs> uh, but I, I do know enough about the timeline and, and you know older uh, enough to remember not I wasn't alive then but I at least they weren't distant memory stories. Um, so the, the, the timeline is Nixon does resign because of the tapes and all these other things. Um, but none of that happens without a group of Republicans coming, literally walking, you know, to his office and look, dude, the gig's up. You, you got to resign. And, and that's what we don't have now. And not that anyone's asking. Now we're just asking a guy who can see that he lost his leg by 8 million votes or whatever, 6 million votes or whatever. Um, and, and they, we still can't get people to walk over there. We got, you know, the best we can do is like Mitt Romney tweeting, you know, three weeks later that this is anti-democratic. It's like, well, yeah, okay. Walk over there, a group of senators and tell them, look, this is bad for us. It's bad for the party. It's bad for you. Does that move the needle with Trump? Who knows? But no one did that. And, they, and again, without they've, they've that, changed. Nixon could have held Congress, he would have stayed. He would have absolutely clung. I mean, he was a clinger, you know? He, he I would mean, have clung to power. It's... It's a really funny cliche, but like that old like corrupt power corrupting absolutely. But it's also I think the Republican institution doesn't resemble even what it did. No, then. yeah, not at all. Especially right now, it is mutated into a like a richly sort of. It's mutated into like pure populism, and that pure populism is leaning into Trumpism, and so like it doesn't. Any Republican that's like still still part of the party and like is like pretending that they're not completely on the hook for this whole cult it just feels a bit strange like they just feel like they're all part of that you're all you're all singing from the this lunatic song yeah well and the, the line that i like to use um is again it 
put your put x into where i'm going to put racism so you can put any number of things into where i'm going to say racism here <laughs> and <laughs> yes. the still works um so i i would never say and, and i think it's terrible for people on the left to say every trump voter is a racist then um but yeah absolutely not I, I know plenty in my own life that would not say they are but what you can't get away from and what they themselves can't argue with is racism is not a deal breaker for you if you voting for trump you know you might not be a racist <laughs> in your own eyes yeah it's also not disqualifying to you that he is yes and any you know when you put it like that that you know no offense to them no no intellect on earth can spin out of that <laughs> out of that yeah, line it's, it, it's self-evidently true and it's all his misogyny any number of things put in yeah, racism, racism miso- like misogyny i just think like apathy like yeah there's two hundred and fifty thousand people and counting dead in your yeah. country yeah <laughs> like like but yes when you hear someone from outside of the country say it, it sounds so much worse uh we, yeah that's awful and psychologically understandable but still like a reality check when you say it from australia yeah um we have gotten used to that that is a that is an accepted part of life for a lot of people in america and if you had told me that 10 months ago i would have said there's no way on earth uh that even trump or whoever else is in charge and overseeing a response where you end up with you know well that's that would be one pe- that, 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 in the world in a pandemic that would be one like, that would be yeah. one that would be one percent of the population of our country in australia yeah, yeah. you've got like a country that's got like 25 million people so and also it's not like it happens 1%. all at once you know it's, yeah. it's not a fifty thousand gone to it's it's that slow bleed of every day like a thousand cases or a thousand deaths a day used to be this mark where we're like oh my god can you imagine if it gets there we yeah. you know we're there now uh and now the articles are coming out saying hey by the way this is going to probably go up to two thousand deaths a day in america in december and so you get this kind of like okay i can expect that not that that's a normal sentence or anyone should ever be okay with that but you just kind of are like as you go day to day through this instead of getting the historical perspective that'll come 10 years from now it just feels like okay this seems awful but not enough people are freaking out to change it so am i seeing this wrong somehow and then you get a view from outside the country it's like what in the hell are you guys doing over there yeah, I, <laughs> that's fair a, a, a few episodes ago, uh, editor at large of Empire Magazine, Helen O'Hara, mm-hmm. a really badass <laughs> fem, fem, female film critic, yeah. um, was on the show. And I said, you know, I, we, we were fantasizing about lotteries. I'm like, if I want a lottery, I want to rebuild the Washington Post newsroom um, <laughs> that, that we see in this movie. And yeah. I want to, but I want to move it to New Zealand because it, it feels ah. like New Zealand is getting a lot of shit right right now. So it's like, move to New Zealand. And then yeah. we fly in all of, and we just create a publication. <laughs> we just absorb Brightwall, and we just all yeah. dress. We all just we'll dress in. We all just dress in corduroy and wear wide ties and smoke and yes. write about movies and have discussions in a room like this. Um, <laughs> because I think you know, you know, for better or worse, with the pandemic response, it's like because it's been so deeply politicized. Even the Murdoch newspapers here have like tried to attack you know leaders who've been really deeply conservative with like lockdowns and really stringent oh. protocols and things like that. And in our worst outbreak state, Victoria, we had our worst numbers in the whole country. Um, and they had they locked down really hard and for yeah. a lengthy period of time. And now they're reaping the benefits of like, I think they're up to maybe two to three weeks now with not a single new case and not a death because they've like completely yeah. shut it down and just squashed it. Um, and that's just part of it. It's just like, you know, I think that that's the only way to do it at the moment. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just... You know, I'm not necessarily a religious person, but 
you bet your ass I'm praying for all of my friends <laughs> in the States. I'm like praying for a vaccine. Cause I think that the, at least with a vaccine, it feels like make a vaccine, make a vaccine, make it available, get like every people, you know, put multiple yeah. places in town. So people to go through, you get your vaccine at a drive through and you just get the hell out of there. Like that's, that seems well, that's to be a, the, Yeah. That's a very, uh, I don't live in America idea of how efficient American bureaucracy is. <laughs> No, I know I'm, I know I'm flailing around in the dark here, Chad. I know that. No, no, no. I mean, I love that vision. And I'm saying like, yes, that in Australia, I could see you guys doing it that way. And it's just like, yeah, I just, you know, living here from, from my whole life. Um, there's the very real critique that, uh, you know, the government can be somewhat unwieldy, cumbersome, inefficient in solving problems uh, and doesn't need to be intervening in every area of citizens' lives. Mm-hmm. But this is the time... <laughs> Yeah. When if it was ever going to be like, oh, I kind of get what government's for now, um, federal government anyway, and to, to have the response be so, I mean, not even lackluster, it was not even, because lackluster would assume that you tried, um, you know, and so, so to have the response just be like, this doesn't exist to open flaunting of the thing that everyone else in the world is doing to get it under control, to not paying anybody beyond, a, you know, and, and we paid everyone $600. Um, in the, the CARES Act that they passed in like, I don't know, April or May. It's one of the most successful programs we've ever had, but it was still so little compared to most people. Uh, but the benefits have played out in the economy in such a positive way um, that there, there's no doubt that just giving people more money to stay home would even work at this point. And, you know, we're just not even going to consider that. Oh, um, Austra- Australia it was one of the countries in the world that we had these things called job keeper and job seeker, oh, See, like where people had the government just forked out pay for people yeah, who like immediately exactly. lost their jobs to try and keep them afloat. It's slowly whittled down. It's, it's been sort of whittling down as the economy has started to sort of recover. Oh, and, and, and yeah, yeah. there are people, there are people with, who zero, are, with zero deaths in your country. People are still getting money. Oh That's, no, there's been a few deaths. There's definitely been a no, few I mean, deaths. I, uh, but, but not a lot of new cases around. There's a little outbreak that's just happened in Adelaide. So they're really strictly locking down like New Zealand. They've locked the whole city down for six days. Um, just completely locked it down. Um, lock it down. I mean, that's, that's the other piece I'm always fascinated by in other countries is, is there any call of like the, the government is trying to take away our freedom or <laughs> no, just it's, like, it's oh. just like, it's, it's so people can, people can still work like the, the lockdown is people can still uh, go to work if they're in sort of essential services over those days. Um, okay. They can still work. You can, one person from your house can leave the house for essential things. Like I need to go get fuel. I need to go get food. I need to okay. do that. But ultimately all the restaurants are closing. Everything's shut down. I mean, they've been one of our best cities in the whole country. Like yeah. they've had so, so, so few um, cases that when they had a little bit of an outbreak, they've just kind of gone crazy and like locked it down because they don't want it to, turn into something because they want the population doesn't freak out when the, that happens no it's like we would like christmas is what and the other thing is question, how much is a plane ticket to australia <laughs> well i think on a virgin, I a vir- a virgin flight is 1300 <laughs> i have a spare room and currently every great american film critic that i am friends with <laughs> As is called dibs. I'm going to turn my garage into barracks. This is my studio, but I'm like, literally just come here, please come yeah. like, because you know, this is, um, no, there's no, there's, there's a couple of, you know, create what I would literally call lunatic, uh, responses to some of the pandemic lockdowns. There was a protest about the lockdowns in the state where there were lockdowns when the lockdown broke from these broke lunatics. Like it had finished, finished. Okay. 
So the lunatics. So they wait, they took our freedom. Yeah, they waited. You took our freedom. And like, it's over. You're free. Like everyone's free now, you idiots. Yeah, and you said protest singular. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> There's no, protests in every state here. And again, obviously the, the difference in your country and ours is, at least not that I've heard of, uh, your leader wasn't openly encouraging that behavior and egging it on and saying, this is how we do it. So, socialized medicine. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. Social, <laughs> so, it's just, just, you know, socialized medicine, one, it's about, it t- testing is free and yeah. healthcare is available to everyone um, in our country so that you could get care. Um, and like, that's just, part of what happens in our country there's private healthcare too and that's sort of supplemented and you get sort of discounts and things like that and the way that it works but Mm -hmm. largely it's everyone gets the socialized medicine number one and number two was our government knew how massive an impact it was going to be and people were going to start losing jobs and companies weren't going to survive and so they just tried to buoy they just chuck all the money and just buoy everything defer everything until next year and then like you know go absolutely crazy with contracts yeah. and things like that to try and build and, and, and spruik the economy next year. But they kind of knew that this year was essentially a write-off. And, um, and now we want to get to this part of like Christmas. Cause the other thing is from an Australian context is we didn't really have a Christmas last year in this country because it was on fire. Oh yeah. Jeez. Which it burned from November through to January. Like, you know, you couldn't be outside. You couldn't go places. A lot of people canceled holidays. People were losing homes in the middle of the Christmas holidays down the South coast of Australia, you know, like, uh, um, you know, millions of hectares lost animals, lost people fighting fires and that rolled straight into the pandemic. And so I think that our country even more so is so desperate for summer and desperate to be outside and desperate for like actually interaction um, that it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting time. Yeah, well, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to turn this into an infomercial for Australia. So, no, <laughs> and it sounds I, great. I, 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 I keep. I keep telling people. I want. You, you all need to come down here. We can just yeah. and when when we import the entire Brightwall Darkroom staff and yourself <laughs> down to Australia, um, we can try and find a space yeah. that looks like the Washington Post newsroom. Um, we can all work together, get some wide ties, get some corduroy, and and just make it happen. Um, that's what I would prefer. And also, then you know, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, there's like an instant little. You know, there's a great film community in this country that's been squashed. <laughs> last little bit and so oh, it'd, be imagine, really, yeah. it'd be really nice to uh to see all that come to fruition again yeah yeah the uh the australian and uh film community connection is i mean not the first person that i've that i've known from it is it's amazing it's very robust at least it was I, i'm not sure how it's doing in the last year or so struggling um, yeah i would struggle imagine. struggling but, but, but just the uh, the amount of crit- critics and voices and uh sites and, and podcasts things i'm aware of that originate from australia it's like oh there's, there's some stuff going on there I like we, it. Like, we like some movies we like some movies yeah. down here. we don't like yeah. enough australian movies but we we like our we like our movies uh we, yeah. we, we like our movies here <laughs> um and there'll be more even more i think you know this will be a little production hub in the next year but look up uh, back to our back to our minute yeah. and back to our topic at hand now watching this no dark timelines, no anything, just preparing to talk today. You know, I can't get enough. I think the, the, the ethos of the minutes, you know, Bradley saying, get back, get your asses back in gear. I think that these minutes while at face value don't necessarily have a lot going on. They're extremely important 
expository minutes using archival footage, the fact that Nixon is being inaugurated, the fact that that's happening, the fact that the hubbub of the Washington Post is like completely going. There is just something so deeply heartening and deeply satisfying for me as if you're watching these minutes of people just continuing to 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 grind and put their heads down and just work. And I, you know, I can totally see why new people viewing this, maybe not as familiar with the, the history, are like, this is a deeply anticlimactic thing because it's just yeah. two people sitting down. But I am so... I don't know, enriched by these minutes. I'm like just the doing the work. I'm just so all in and I, they just make me feel wonderful. And I just wonder like what kind of responses that you have watching mm -hmm. these guys sitting here whiling away on their keyboards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll try to keep the uh, caveats or disclaimer short on the, before I answer it. Um, but I had not, I had not seen this movie in, I don't know, definitely not during the Trump years. Um, so it's probably been at least, and I've seen it, uh, I watched it this week from that was, that would have been the third time I've seen it total. So, um, the first time was, you know, back in college, like most people, if you have any interest in any kind of media or journalism, you, you end up seeing this movie either in a class or being told by your friends to watch it pretty soon. Um, so there's that first memory of it. Uh, and then there's the second, um, was probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years ago, just to make sure it's still held up. And of course, as I'm sure, you know, <laughs> it does. It does. Um, and then this time, and watching it this time, um, and it's fascinating both how memory works and how, how movies work. Um, it's embarrassing to admit, but I will, I, will, I will admit it out loud. I did not remember that the movie ended where it ended. Uh, yes. So even watching it for the third time in my life, I was still like, as I was you know, looking at my timer, because I needed to figure out what, what minute it was my minute to talk about. It's like, geez, there's like six minutes left here, and like Nixon hadn't said anything. <laughs> like they're, they're years away from him resigning how did he get there and i couldn't even remember and so yeah so it was almost like watching it for the first time even though it was not at all the first time um and then just yeah the deeply satisfying kind of resolution after that ends and and you know the, i should say there's I, I don't know if there's any research on this i i would guess there is proof somewhere that is a very aesthetically pleasing sound to hear a typewriter's type click um yeah. so and, and again that's why again the movie in 2020 you don't get the same feeling from someone from laptop but the you know the the or punching into their phone with their thumb or whatever there's no click unless you i guess you can turn the click on if you want but no one does that <laughs> so uh, you need to hear that kind of phonetic or not phonetic uh whatever the word aural uh sound that it, it's just so comforting uh and it indicates a hundred percent what you're saying which is <laughs> the work goes on it, it, it's very much a workman like you know think of any typewriter scene in a movie ever and it's has gravitas to it just because they're on a typewriter like the lost weekend alcohol you know writer <laughs> all that stuff is like the point of the movie not the typewriter but i remember the typewriter i remember him banging away at the typewriter um so i love that the type i would love i envy your guest in i don't know two minutes from now um who gets the scene that's just a minute of typing <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to listen to that on repeat as you guys listen to that minute together because i just want to hear typing and typing the type. i love that sound it, oh it, i have to, very I have symbolic to I have to say, um, there's two 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 things that recalled listening to you there. The first okay. is the the first is Greg. There's a guy by the name of Greg Christie, who's mm -hmm. one of our biggest one of the biggest fans of the show, and I like to shout him out. Greg uh, is right. hey, Greg. Greg is amazing. Greg has 
has retrofit a teletype to his computer because he's a programmer. Okay. And he sent me a video, which I might put on socials, <laughs> of, of CNN, of, right of like CNN <laughs> yeah. going through his computer and like he's, he's done it so that it reads out the news headlines on his teletype. It like converts it to that. Yeah, it, com- it converts it to teletype. And I'm like, oh, uh, and I literally emailed him back. I was like, that's the fucking coolest thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> yeah, life. That's really, really, really like, wonderful. Like, that's what I want in my house. Like, I don't yes. actually want to, I would just like to hear, exactly. like, just coming yeah, from the little, office. Whatever you call in. the thing when it dings and you hit it over. And, yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear that. And I want to hear that come over. And the other thing I, I, um, you talked about just, I don't know. There's a, like an inherent romance that comes to just being at a typewriter and those sorts of things. And yeah. you, you, you're using your example. Last night I was with two friends of the show. We were out to see David Finch's Mank. Um, as we're recording oh, okay. this, it's probably a couple of days pa- have passed because it was it did a, it's doing a brief theatrical run in Australia right now in preparation to coming to Netflix. So we were there, and we started talking about Midnight in Paris and Corey Stoll's Ernest Hemingway. Oh, sure. Because because it's one of the funnest performances maybe ever. And, you know, and it was just reminding me of him talking about like, you know, being a writer and he was, you know, and I got his quote because I just love, it's impossible to do any justice to him. But he's like, I believe that love, I believe that love that is true and real creates a respite from death. All cowardice comes from not loving or loving well, which is the same thing. And then the man who is brave and true looks death squarely in the face like some rhino hunters I know or Belmonte who is truly brave. I, I mean, it's quotes like that. And yeah. the typewriter, you mix them together. Yeah, the typewriter that doesn't hit half as hard. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it feels good. It feels really yeah. good. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, I and now answering what getting into the typewriter geekery. I forgot what your actual no. The, the question. The question, uh, the question was the deception of this ending, which is that yeah. I think that the ending of this movie is so wonderful, and and I actually is as 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 is such something that I've wanted to put under more scrutiny because it is a very steady ending and it's kind of like taking you very beautifully out of this movie because the bookends of history are bigger than bigger than any ending that this movie could create. Yeah. And just the very steady, I don't know, approach that like we're almost sort of like glacially being put off, like, you know, cast off and we're now just sort of moving out to sea and yeah it's just, we're just sort of floating off into the end. And, and, and that's what I feel in this scene now, like uh, despite the, the resolve that I feel of like, clack, you know, clacking keys and here we go, we're going to get this guy. Um, just the artfulness of making people experience the actual audio and archival footage of Nixon <laughs> winning. Yes. And, and, and despite the and despite the win, him still them still fighting. Yeah, and I I just think that there's something so tremendously artful about that, and the decisions that they make to conclude this movie, much like all a hell of a lot of the decisions they have in this movie with structure and all of the things that they do, but this particular thing, that reinforcement of this archival footage, and really echoing the lengthy archival footage we see at the beginning of the film, yeah, um, exactly. it's 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 a really it's a great choice. Yeah, and, and two things, you know, um, just on a movie level that I that I love, and which are both here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, it, one is, one is the book and the thing like a, uh, as as disorganized or scattered as my brain can be, I, I very strongly gravitate towards seeing or 
responding to in a positive way things that have a very clear structure to them not necessarily like be as messy as you want in between but give me an ending that echoes the beginning in some way yeah. I, like i'm gonna i'm gonna think positively of your movie if it's garbage if you can get those two things right um i have something nice to say about your movie but uh so and this is a, is a such a good example of it too um and also you get into a whole tangent about how that plays into like the thematic nature of like yeah the work was going on then it's going on then it's, it, it always goes on this is how you this is how media works if it's yes. working right how people should approach life if they want to get through it um because you're right you're absolutely i mean it's it's so anti-triumphant unless you know and this is the second thing i like which i, I i'm sure people are, are tired of hearing me say it um in our slack channels or whatever on bright wall dark room but people readers viewers in this case but in our world readers love to feel smart uh there's not a person that i'm aware of who doesn't like to think of themselves as smart um even those that might not be and so the the, the best thing you can do as a writer um is is or in this case a movie thing is cut out the stuff and let people put those pieces together themselves yes and the big worry of course for a writer and then i guess in this case a filmmaker would be what if they don't get it what if they don't get you know obviously in 1976 or whatever it only been a couple of years people probably knew the rest of the story but now as we drift you know 30 40 years past that there's a good chance that there's someone watching this somewhere in you know i don't know pick a random country like spain who has no idea of the history of any of this and they're like well wait what did they get the guy? Chad, I saw a clip. I saw it. I saw a clip on TikTok that came into our YouTube, uh, into our into our Twitter feed of the other day, where someone saw Ross Geller on Friends singing "Baby Got Back" to a baby. You yeah, know? and sure. then I understand that entire sentence so far. So far, yeah. The, the, tick, the TikToker went, "Oh my God." Ross Geller in 2009 is singing Nicki Minaj's 2014 Anaconda song oh, to this baby. <laughs> Sorry. And literally the person on Twitter went, I'm too old for this shit. And yeah, you just, you just explained TikTok in, in a, in a and, one and so that for me is exactly what you're talking about. There are people who, you know, my very first experiences of Nixon, I've said a couple of times on the show, but like very first experiences of Nixon and things like that in Australia, I like the Simpsons because it was a cultural text. It was omnipresent. You learn about okay. his name. I'm not a crook. You know, all the skits, yeah. you know, Barney, B- Barney going, this is Richard Nixon's enemies list. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like you, you know, like you learn those things and, so later on, this is, this becomes an entry point. And so now like yeah. this was an entry point for me, you know, I would say late nineties, like I was in early high school when I first viewed the movie, obviously completely went over my head. And then many years later and lots of lots, lots and lots of countless more viewings from there. Um, but I, but I genuinely think that um, anyone who's approaching it now, it, you have to, you have to give people a chance that this is their first experience of this historical event. And that is absolutely a gateway. And I think if anything, yeah can be an appetit to dive down oh, a Nixon yeah. rabbit hole. Like this is the movie, you know, this is, yeah. like, what do you mean? Like that would be uh, the asterisk. My second point of liking <laughs> it feel smart is that for me, anyway, that association is always very closely tied to either one. Oh yes. I know what happens next. Hence I am smart and I feel better about everything. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which is movie allows you to do. Or if I, it, let's say I didn't know this history or this was about like, I don't know, an Australian political event from the seventies where I'm like, Oh geez, what happened here? But that's, I'm racing to my, my computer and my phone and I'm spending hours like reading about this thing. And I'm like, Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, cool. They got the guy, they, you know, um, and then 
retroactively, a few hours later, appreciated how the movie ends. So either way, it's a win. Like yes. there's no there's no bad option there unless again, unless you want. Jeez, I almost just said Rocky, and then I remember Rocky loses. <laughs> so, uh, but, but where Rudy? Let's maybe is the better analogy. Rudy. Whatever it is. Yeah, like <laughs> this is the I first mention of Rudy on this entire show. <laughs> well, that's, what I, that's what I bring to the table. Um, but if you put like you know, if you call a movie in America "All the President's Men," you're already setting people up to expect some kind of triumphant patriotic ending just in the title. Um, but you know, they're not probably connecting it back to like Humpty Dumpty or whatever it might become from. But the the whole idea of like you're set up to think this movie is slow building to this moment of catharsis. And then when the catharsis is just one more slow burn that requires you either knowing about or learning about what actually happened or just reading, which is perfectly pleasurable as well, reading while listening to typewriters that are just typing out the coda for you on the screen. Um, and I know that's not my minute, but it's real close to it. And, and I just think it's really <laughs> just a really uh, like a deeply satisfying, true to life kind of ending of like, I, I try to imagine another ending and I can't imagine another ending working. Uh, I can't imagine a version where, you know, they get an actor to play Nixon and, no. he, you know, uh, and I can't imagine an ending where it really even goes any farther than it goes. Um, and it's, you know, I'm sure I've done one, one thousandth of the reading on this that you have, but the, the idea that that's kind of when William Goldman cracked the script, so to speak, was when he's like, Oh, let's throw out the last half of the book. And that's, a, that sounds like a bonkers idea, but it, it absolutely, you can see how the structure then all locks into place. All these things come online and it does. I mean, it's, and then it, uh, the cherry on top is it's perfectly evocative of, you know, mid seventies American filmmaking, the good kind anyway, um, you know, 40, 50 years later. So it's just like they, they could not have known then that even in the long, the long year, the long game, this was going to work like gangbusters. And uh, yeah, it's hats off to all those people involved. And, and I haven't got to mention Gordon Willis yet. And I know we talked about it beforehand, but um, masterful here. And, and, and I'll, I want you to explain to me, what's happening in this minute that I'm doing with the camera. Cause I was fascinated as you were telling me about it before. Yeah. It's uh, Gordon Willis in this moment, he's, he's setting up a massive deep focus, obviously at the beginning of our minute, you know, I think we've, the dissolve is an underutilized technique, uh, like a, a oh, great, I agree. Uh, yeah. I love uh, it. Especially when you do something like this, where it's, slow and it's atmospheric these two guys are the only guys in the office they've clearly been there all night and then watching the population come in the soundscape changes and it's all happening in you know in, in chorus with one another which is so great and he's starting a zoom this languid still deep focus zoom to try and keep the three well kind of two or three whatever you're going to call it elements of the screen all in the crispest focus which is the television with the inauguration and the boys and we're pushing pushing very very slowly but it's still a deep focus because it is just a mess of the newsroom which is just again one of the greatest sets ever created and one of the best dressed sets and also some of the best background actors almost ever because um, everyone feels yeah. like they're doing stuff right and yeah we're pushing, pushing, pushing. Now, what happens is in this movie and what, what, what Chad was alluding to is Gordon Willis is a guy who, you know, uses split diopters and there's upcoming a few brilliant split diopter shots. But Willis does things with split diopters in this movie in single takes that, yeah, that other true. directors of photography have never been really able to do because it's such a degree of difficulty, especially shooting on film with massive camera rigs, 
that you would set a split diopter shot. Usually what would happen is you would compose it, you would lock it off. People have marks. They stay mm-hmm. on those marks or stay in those marks or in their chairs or wherever you've set them up and you don't move because if you move them, you ruin the composition. And what Will has started to mess around with was a rig to adjust a zoom to push closer into say a Robert Redford while he's on the phone ringing around to a whole bunch of different sources and adjust the split diopter to take things out of focus as he changes the shot from a split diopter shot to a closer, which is unfathomably hard to do. In fact, the camera operators on this movie said, I'm not doing it. And Willis went, I'll do it. Like you have to get the guy to be like, I'll do it. Ah. So, so and, and also then to zoom out to like the average person watching this shot is like, what a boring last shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, there's so no, much going. No, it's, it's, it's like, it, it, I think I, 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 that's why I love this, these last minutes, anything in this movie where there is seemingly not much going on. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. The laser focus of like, well, why am I watching this? There's a great, just a great question when you're watching great crafts, people work. Some people do a lot of functional stuff. You know, the funniest example yeah. I, I like I is the room, which is arguably one of the worst movies of all time. Not, not entertaining, <laughs> very entertaining, but one of the worst movies of all time. It has the most establishment shots of any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau walking around San Francisco because it has no story. There's like 40 (laughs) minutes of establishing shots. So that's actually what makes it funny. But when you're working with real craftspeople, like the incredible fucking insane all-timer roster that is on this movie, Redford producing and acting, Hoffman acting, Pakula, Willis, uh, Robert O. Wolf, who was one of Peck and Pa's editors, Bill Goldman. The set, the set designers and team that uh, 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 that um, won the Oscar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look them up while we're talking. But like er, 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 every, it is. Oh, Shires, Shires on the score. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but then you've got uh, George Jenkins and George Gaines, both Academy Award winners for production design and set decoration. Amazing. Yeah. When you're looking at this scene, the fact that you can see the TV crisply that they're getting it, they're getting these guys and the camera's just pushing and doing it. And the sound is, it's that weird soundscape thing of it. Like it, the, 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 the ambience of the office starts to, is almost like toggled between the loudness of the TV, like making us very hyper aware that Nixon is being elected and then back to the clattering. And it's trying to like, almost like the clattering is trying to fight over the television exactly. saying, Hey, Nixon's yeah. been reelected. Um, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant sequence. It's a, and, it and, and, and juxtapositions of everything that you just mentioned. Yeah. It's amazing. And so, yeah, I just, I, I look at these last few minutes and I'm kind of, you know, winding up this show three more episodes after you good oh, self. Wow. Yeah, I guess I was good at the end of these things, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, you came in towards the end of uh you came in towards I know, the end so, of us. I'm safe at the end of Travis. Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm a better closer opener apparently. <laughs> well that I that's do, what great I do. Ed, that's what great editors do. They come in yeah, and they close. <laughs> you should see the amount of there, there cannot be a more common editing note internally. Uh, so not always necessarily to the writer because I need to figure out a different way to say it. Um, I, I'm the biggest freak about ending a piece in a certain way that, that you'll ever meet. And it's to my own detriment at times. People are like, it's a good piece. It's fine if the ending drops a little. I was like, no, you got <laughs> the ending's got to hit. And hit means a different thing depending on the piece. So, um, so yes, it, it, it's not lost on me that uh, 
that I do like to come in and make sure things end somewhere in it. But I also want to ask the question like with Travis, and then I, I got to run. Um, and, and you've maybe answered it somewhere else, so you can get this part out. Why this movie for you? Why dedicate months and months and hours and hours and all this time to your life to this particular movie that at least a little bit I got the first time you saw it kind of went over your head and wasn't a big deal. How, how did this one end up dominating your world the way, you know, heat, I don't have to ask that question, I get it. <laughs> um, just because that's the proper response to heat. Uh, but with all the President's Correct. Men, I think you're gonna be like, yeah, I get, that would be interesting. I think we we'll probably be what most people would say to hear about the deal um, of uh, making I, a podcast. But why, knowing how all in you're gonna have to go and how much of your life you have to dedicate to it, what made this one the one? Um, it was a couple of things. The, the first, the first element is when I was doing one heat minute and I was watching heat, I was so mm -hmm. taken with the mastery on every level of that movie that what you start, what I started to do was like, you see mastery in one thing, you start to see mastery in all things. Great point. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I was scrutinizing living daylights out of it and watching 20 minute chunks of it daily during that yeah. project over two years, 20 minute chunk, all 20 minute chunk. I was completely consumed. So what I would do, and you might do the same thing, I would just look for white noise in the background while I'm doing other things in prep, whether it's researching or just Googling, whatever. And when you have video on demand services, what comes up? A, what's in my list under A? All the president's meant, which is one of my, which is one of my, which is one, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Already was one of my favorites. But I would okay. just put it on, Chad. And then what started happening? And then what started? It would be so horrendously distracting because of how good it was. Yeah. And then. That's that from this week. What would happen is it would just start taking me out of what I was doing, and I would start watching, and then I would find myself googling and researching, and I'd gone from something where you would, I guess, call it from like an auteur perspective of like Michael Mann is an auteur in that tra traditional sort of classic easy rider raging bulls auteur. Like, sure, you know, sure. he has a cult of fandom that surrounds him as an individual, 180 episode podcast on one of his movies by an idiot who you're talking to right now may have helped that a little bit intentionally, unintentionally, but it is what it is. And, and what I was, when I was watching all the president's men, what transfixed me was not only the mastery at every single conceivable level of the movie, but it was that it was such an alchemy, alchemy of voices, um, yeah. actors and perform like actors and writers and screenwriting. And then also I'd been laser focused on a certain type of conversation. And so the mm -hmm. idea to talk to the incredible list of people that I've spoken to political editors of newspapers, journalists, actors, film people, comedians, satirists, um, if it became like a great mix of being able to, people are going to approach this text in a, in a drastically different way. And then this year I was like, if I ever really wanted to do this, I wanted to, I, I wanted to do it in the 2020 in November of 2019 when I didn't know what, when, when no one could have predicted in the entire world, what 2020 was going to look like. I thought it would be interesting to follow a political campaign and have a podcast that was talking about American politics, history, cinema, Absolutely. and journalism. And so it became this confluence of like all those things together, but the mastery and the dedication and the doing the work of it yeah, and that it is exactly. endless. We got a I full have circle it, podcast too. I have, I have the deepest, I have the <laughs> deepest kinship with.
I have the yeah. deepest kinship with it. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a wonderful answer. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's, that's you know just how my mind works is pretty much any podcast I ever turn on and listen to for more than a couple minutes. But very quickly, I'm asking myself, why? I gotta know why this person decided to make this. Just knowing the, I mean, tip of the iceberg of how much labor it costs to, uh, or real time labor. Um, yeah. And, just just how much of yourself you have to put into a, a project like this. I mean, I can only imagine. Yeah. And and it's like you, you know, um, you, anyone who's ever asked me even casually about what's the, what's the, what films, what do you need to have if you're going to do a minute by minute deep dive or a scene by scene deep dive? Mm-hmm. And I say this phrase, and maybe you could uh, dissuade me from saying it as a therapist. <laughs> I say an unhealthy relationship with that movie. Yeah. I mean, that's not, I don't take that as a, as a pejorative <laughs> or as like yeah. anything that would be ashamed of. Like, I, no, I no, 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 no. I'm like, I, I'm like, uh, <laughs> you need an unhealthy obsession because you need to have yeah. the engine. And this year exactly. has been an engine for this show in many, in, in, in ways that I never would have imagined. Um, and, and, and that is what it is. Um, and so it's kind of that confluence of events that it's sort of happened that way, but you need to have an un- undying love. Like that was my impulse with heat. It's like when I finally was pitching to my friends who helped push me into the direction of making heat, I just said the phrase, you know, I just want to fucking talk about heat every day. And yeah. they, and they no said, and, and, and they but said, and they said i'd listen to that show and i went god damn it you know (laughs) gave me this my life's work you know and so i think i think that that's you know that's where i'm at now in this year looking at this i'm i'm just flabbergasted because um you know you know the lots of people are talking about it's it's just in the air at the moment the whole citizen kane you know sure. um, mankiewicz and 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 orson wells and you know theories of authorship and then other or you know who we would call our contemporary authors you know so you know talking about you know who 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 has the the most say on the text etc and I, and i just think that i've been really grateful to talk completely different angles about you know, two completely different films because one is like an engine is the Michael Mann show sure. essentially. And the right. other is, you know, who, you know, is it Redford? Yes. Is it gold? Yeah. Is it Goldman? Yes. <laughs> is it Pakula? Yes. Is it yeah. Willis? Yes. Is it, is it, you know, Robards fighting for the role? Is it the fact that Hoffman's in it to offset yeah. Redford? Is it like, um, you know, it's yes. The, the answer and is I don't yes. Know the comparison will, uh, or the reference will be lost here on people either time-wise or country-wise, but, uh, it reminds me of the, the 1992, uh, us basketball Olympics dream team. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, get that reference not, at all. No, like, no, no, not, not, not lost. Players. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, fine. Here's all our best people doing it. Now check this out. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, we just wipe the floor. <laughs> we are never going to lose again when you've got, like, yeah. what, what was 92? Was that, was that bird oh, that, magic even, and Jordan? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was three people on a 12 person team that included, you know, depending on how the weeds you are in NBA basketball, it was stacked from top to bottom with all the best players we've had over that. I just remember that photo where they're all all holding a ball that says USA on it. It's it's like, that's, that's the, all the president's men of, you know, (laughs) this this is it. We're like, Hey, the U S is getting together to tell a United States story that just happened and we're taking the best people. And you're absolutely right. um, Which I didn't even thought about. So you said it, there's no, I mean, I'm, I'm, 
sure most of the credit informally that people give if they ever think about it distantly vaguely goes to Redford somehow. Um, but there's no actual one person that made this happen. Like it's a it's all stars working across the board together doing their process to make a film about process that ends up being one of the best process movies ever made. That is In where podcast. we're gonna. <laughs> that is where we're gonna leave it. Chad Herman, thank you so much for. Uh, coming and chatting to me again i'm a huge admirer of you you and your team's work and uh appreciate all of the incredible support from Brightwall for both of our projects because um at the end of heat uh you know um yourself and ethan and travis and the whole team and fran and all the guys who'd been on the show were so uh bathed us with love and i think that um that i think uh, if, if 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 any if anything that we would we're doing it was it was so nice to feel kinship with our equally gushing with love film fans yeah. out there going this is good and we we're all sort of embracing it was very happy um and so yeah. having you on the show has been important to me and i appreciate you oh, you coming so and being and being and being here and now there's yes. three episodes to go all right i'll i'll be listening to all of them yeah very <laughs> wonderful to talk to you. thank you so much for having me on and, and give me some extra time to, to pontificate that was chad perman what a wonderful, wonderful man to talk to. He is the editor and founder of Brightwall Darkroom. You can find him on Twitter at everybody underscore cares or just go to brightwalldarkroom.com or on Twitter at BWDR. Support them. They're one of the best sites online. Keep them alive. Patreon is where you can find them. I'll leave the link in the show notes for you to check that out. I'm extremely grateful for him and his entire team um, and including my internet husband, uh, Travis Woods, uh, for all their endless and boundless support and encouragement. Thank you all so much for listening at ATPM pod on Twitter at one Blake minute on Instagram and Twitter for myself, one heat minute.com. Keep an eye out three episodes to go.